Well, hey, everybody, we are GFBS. We're Grand Fork's best source. Here we go on a hump day Wednesday. Joining us on the show today, I'm going to call him a softball legend. Tom Montgomery is in the studio today. Show, by the way, brought to you by Raptor PCS. Right here in the Grand Cities Mall, I'm telling you, man, the absolute best place to take your computer. They do a full range of computer services at very affordable rates, too. Computer builds, virus removal, hardware repairs. If you're looking for a new laptop, check out Raptor PCS. If they're working on your computer, odds are you'll have it back the following day. They'll even come to your house and pick your computer up, or you can stop at the loading zone in front of rumors. These guys win the award for top-rated local business almost every year in Grand Forks. And if you bring your computer in, you mentioned this app, they'll give you 15% off any computer service. We go to Raptor PCS all the time here at GFBS uh, because I told you it's the best place to take your computer. Check them out at RaptorPCS.com or call 701-772-7626. Raptor PCS, in fact, they've got one of my computers right now, right here in the Grand Cities Mall. Have any questions for Tom Montgomery, our phone number is 701-213-0863. Feel free to text or call if you want. But before we get going any further, it is time now for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Here we go, Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Why didn't Michael Jackson like softball? Why didn't Michael Jackson like softball? Uh, The balls were too big. Oh, Katie, what'd you think of that one? Sure. (laughs) Sure. Hey, my mic's not on. Yeah, it is. It is? Yeah. Oh, I just can't hear myself. Oh, okay. This set's all weird. I was I was kind of worried about that uh, that um, joke there, Tom. But uh, I think some people got it. Uh, anyway, welcome, Tom Montgomery. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad for you a know, Wednesday. For a Wednesday, uh, halfway through the work week. But I suppose with you, there probably is no halfway through the work week, is there? Uh, no, on the retail business, it's mm-hmm. it's daily, daily, daily. So you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't want to know anything about your sports. Tell us what you tell us about Tom Montgomery in present day life. Well, uh, part owner of a Right Spot Liquor Store and manager, so um, we're busy. We've got two locations, and so um, also do a little bit of work for the Grand Forks Blue Line Club. Okay. Charitable gambling. Mm-hmm. So uh, my days are filled with that. Uh, uh, got three boys home from the summer. Um, they're away. Two plays junior hockey. One goes to college, so they're back home. So uh, I'm getting to eat better now when the boys are home, so... <laughs> Fridge is full, but food doesn't last very long, and uh, let's just say there's a lot of dishes. Yeah, it might cost you a little bit more money, but uh, it's great to have family back in the summer, too, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, nice, uh, you know, the long days and the hot, you know, just the hot weather. I love the hot. I Mm -hmm. love the 90s, so uh, being a ball player in 90 degrees, I just, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Are you still playing ball at all? No, I haven't played since uh, 2004. Really? Yeah. You're not going to jump in with any of these old-timers around here, or, or, or would you... If you could play, would you would you still be playing fast pitch, or would the slow pitch even tickle your interest? No, I went out uh, for one slow pitch game, and uh, I'm not sure I made the sixth inning. And really? Just, uh, yeah, everybody walked out, and they said, you can't hit a home run now because of something, and mm-hmm. I didn't know the rules, and uh, guys got to hit and walk the first, and uh, I don't think I made the first game and said, see you later, guys. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, we're going to go through a little bit about your history now. Uh, born and raised in Grand Forks. Uh, you went to, what was your childhood like? Were you like the sports nut? Was was Grand Forks Park Board kind of your parents' babysitter when you were growing up? Because I know they were mine when my kid was growing up. Yeah, we, uh, 
you know, just as a kid in the summer, boy, it was uh, 8.30, got on my bike, and uh, it was called Williamson Park over by the Purper Arena. Mm-hmm. So there was multiple fields there, and they had different levels of baseball. Well, I'd show up at 8.30 um, before Apollo hit, and mm-hmm. then I'd just sit there and wait all day, and whoever needed a guy, you know, whether it's Babe Ruth or back then, I don't even know what they called, Bantams yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. so... You know, I was a kid, and then my you know my older brothers played, so I'd show up their game, and they'd never have enough guys, so I was in, and actually I could compete with them. Yeah. You know, even at that level, so I was always just at the ballpark. Okay, and then uh, we get to high school. Uh, you were a rough rider, Red River. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did not know this, but uh, you were a pretty good hockey player, too? Uh, yeah, for a high school player, I was okay. Yeah, pretty good. I had some good line mates. Uh, um. We had a really good team at Red River, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. Okay, now one thing I wanted to ask you, though, I see state runner-up in 82 and 83. Yeah. Did you ever get a title? No. Gave up some stinky goals. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Who did you lose to uh, in 82 and 83? Fargo North uh, got a stinky goal from just in outside, just around the blue line, yeah. and then, uh, then we lost those Crosstown guys. I don't even like to say their name. Yeah. Would you, would you rather lose a state title, though, to the Crosstown guys or to a Fargo team? Uh, well, I hear it from the local guys yeah. all the time. So <laughs> I got to live with that every time. I still play men's league hockey. So, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I've been doing that for, I don't even know, 35 years or mm-hmm. 37 years or whatever. So we still have a good time every Wednesday. And, but, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we bring up the old high school stories. Uh, that one gets rubbed in all the time. And then, uh, but just to be perfectly clear, we were the only one to beat East Side back in '83 when they were oh, twenty-two yeah. and one going yeah. to state tournament. We so, played against them too in '83. Yep, and uh, just to make sure, I rub that one in every Wednesday. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that that's good stuff. It's funny how you can remember those goals exactly like it happened yesterday uh when i was a junior that's back when when minnesota was just one you know they didn't have the a and the double a and it was uh against rozo uh, i believe it was a championship game for section eight and um friend of mine timmy berglund we were talking about yes. him earlier got a penalty shot which was very rare you didn't see a lot of those back then and uh so he deked the goalie had the goalie on his head and he had about three feet of net to hit and missed it by about a foot and I believe we lost one nothing, but I can remember uh, not too many times I cried as an athlete. But I think that, that was probably one of them. Fast forward a little bit, uh, Legion baseball. Tell us about your Legion ball career. Well, actually, uh, with my older brothers playing, um, uh, my two older brothers, you know, played in '67 when we went to the Legion World Series. Grand mm-hmm. Forks oh. did. So I was real young then, but my older brother Scott played and. He was four years older than me, so I was always around that level of kids. And uh, I can't remember. So at the time I was like sixth, seventh grade, I was the bat boy, backup catcher. Uh, they put me in the outfield. So, you know, mm-hmm. not most kids at age six or, you know, sixth grade or yeah. seventh grade. I'm at the park every day, hanging out, taking batting practice. I'd still play my games with my whatever, yep. you know, Babe Ruth team, but. You know, I think by the time I was 13 or 14, I was already on the second Legion team. And Wow. Wow. So you moved up quick. Then comes UND. Tell us about how that all got going. Uh, who approached you or did you approach them? Or how did you end up uh, at that time being a, a fighting Sioux? Yeah, I kind of uh, went to school and then uh, took a couple years off. Uh, just wasn't, in, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't 
actually probably uh, mature enough to handle a sure. You know, going to classes. Uh, the other stuff I was mature at. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like the, we all the are, extracurricular but, yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. So once I got back to uh, got going, I can't even remember. Um, the first thing I'm terrible at years. I okay. can remember stories and who played and did what, but so if I say the wrong year, which I guarantee I will. Okay. So, uh, but uh, just got back. I think it was '87, and uh, we hadn't been in UND hadn't been in the playoffs in 20 years, and and. Uh, I came in and just some other guys, and we just kind of changed the attitude. The old Midwest, uh, hey, I'm going to go after you today. You got to prove you're going to beat me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the attitude I brought. And the other guys jumped on board, and all of a sudden, hey, we're playing some pretty good baseball. Yeah, who was the coach of that team? Brian Kraft. It was Brian Kraft. It, it, that's funny because um, my son played ball with his son, and up through Babe Ruth, uh, Cal Ripken, Babe Ruth, um, Brian was the all star coach. And so I made a lot of road trips with Brian Kraft, yeah. but uh, those must have been some good days. I mean, three-time All-Conference, you were 87, 88, or 87, all the way through 90. Um, I mean, just look at some of these stats here. Uh, three-time All-Conference, uh, the 1990 NCC Conference Player of the Year. You are the all-time leader in stolen bases, all-time top 10 in batting average with a 356 batting average, uh, 123 RBIs, 25 home runs. 123 runs scored. That's not too shabby of a college career there, Tom. No, and one of the highlights, I think one year I had, I'm not, I think I had like 87 assists at shortstop. Wow. And just with a few errors. And uh, so I was pretty proud of that defense. And, uh, you know, a little story is growing up is uh, my dad was a very good baseball player. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he said, you, you know, you want to keep playing this game. He said, you better learn how to hit. And uh, he said, there's a lot of kids, and I won't repeat exactly what he says, but you can find a kid somewhere in Arizona that could pick up hmm. the ball and throw it across a diamond anywhere yeah. in uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> anywhere in Arizona any mm-hmm. day of the week. He said, you want, to, you want to keep playing, you better learn how to hit. So, uh, Were you not that good of a hitter growing up, or did you have to really work at it in college, or just kind of come no. natural? You just did the – I mean, obviously, you worked hard from the time you were a little kid all the way up through. Uh, it just kind of came natural, just kept plugging away, or uh, did, you, did you change anything to go into college? Um, I was – yeah, I could always hit the ball. That was never a problem. Mm-hmm. Contact, I, I think one time in Legion, I might have struck out one time the whole year wow. or twice – and uh, it was funny because I went back to the bench and everybody cleared the whole dugout like I was going to come in and destroy it, you know? <laughs> I mean, they literally were gone. Yeah. So I sat there, just put the helmet down and the bat, and I looked at them all like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, were, were you kind of a hothead or not? Did you have a temper? Uh, I was at full compete level. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. go overboard and lose my cookies all the time but my compete level was pretty high mm-hmm. and to stay at that level all the time that's uh i think that's something you really have to have internally to sure to uh continue to play for 20 some years you got to have a mm-hmm. were, were you one of those guys that could phase everything out and just get into that baseball zone yeah i think like a lot of us you know growing up i wanted to play in the big leagues Mm -hmm. and it was just that compete at that level to yeah it was kind of just uh you know even when i was still playing at 40 Mm -hmm. uh get in the airplane and get off and it was like the whole world just just 
only thing was that ball field. And yeah, well, that's that, what you the were grass there for. And the dirt and the players. Uh huh. Nothing else really mattered. It was just calm time and have some fun. Now, when you graduated or got done with UND, I don't know if you graduated or not, but um, oh, yeah. okay. Did you have any opportunity to go play more baseball at a, at a bigger level or a higher level? I did. Kind of everything kind of hit. So when I was playing college baseball in the summers, too, I'd play fast pitch softball. And then mm-hmm. we had the town league team. Yep. You know, so every night of the week I was playing either fast pitch because my my uh, family played fast pitch softball. Mm-hmm. So Tuesday, Thursday nights was fast pitch. And then we'd pick up, uh, you know, uh, town ball games or whatever, amateur, you know, whatever it be, Friday nights, Saturdays, mm-hmm. Monday nights. So I'd virtually play every night of the week. So Did, playing, playing some kind of ball. Yeah. Did you get any sniffs from any pro teams? Uh, I've got, you know, one time I thought, uh, things were going to work with the, uh, Kansas city Royals. I got some letters officially that it wasn't, um, drafted or signed with another professional team, but it just, uh, nothing really mustered there. And then right when I got done, I had the opportunity with ball is, uh, uh, keep playing a little fast pitch. And then actually, I think it was two years after I graduated is when the St. Paul saints called. So I had a trial with them, and then I had two basically professional fast pitch teams all call me, and within like three days, and I looked at oh, my wow. wife and I said, <laughs> "What are the odds of this?" Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, when I we were talking before the show, and and I played fast pitch after high school, and when I first started playing fast pitch, I was horrible. I, I couldn't hit the ball, and I couldn't figure it out because I could hit it any other time, but. Finally, one of these old pitchers came up to me and said, you know, he goes, uh, all you got to do is look at the hip. And I never thought of that because the ball's coming from the hip. It changed how I played from then on. But was it a hard adjustment, especially when you're doing both at the same time? You might go play a couple of fast pitch softball games and then play a baseball game the next night and then back to fast pitch. Was that a hard adjustment for you or probably not knowing you? For some reason, uh, when I'd go from uh, playing fast pitch, then go back to baseball, it seemed like I'd count to 10 before that ball would come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just seemed to slow the baseball down so much. No, it just, uh, you know, like anything, some things come natural to people. You know, I, uh, you know, um, you know, why can some guy, uh, you know, hit a golf ball 320 mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, you and I can hit it 225 or yeah. whatever. And uh, not it, straight, though. Not straight. <laughs> and then, you know, you hit a ball 420 feet, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, what do you do? And it's like, geez, it's just natural. I just, you know, that's what it is. It's We got uh, somebody texting saying you should be playing for the Twins right now. <laughs> do you have a favorite baseball team? Oh, yeah. I'm a diehard Twins fan. Yeah, me it's, too. It's been a tough summer, but, uh, you know, uh, pro baseball has really changed, uh, you know, what the uh, – elevated fastballs that they throw mm-hmm. at 96 to 100 and then uh you know the change of speeds and and just seems like just you know you don't get two looks at the same pitcher right coming in so uh, and then the willingness or lack of willingness uh, to to some of these guys just to make contact mm-hmm. you know you're throwing 97 you put the bat on it it who cares where it's going, right? Right. right. But uh, some of them refuse to take that attitude. And that's, for me, is the tough part to watch. But, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I should be playing for the Twins. Yeah, yeah, I think he wouldn't, uh, he would, I don't think you'd miss a beat. But, um, you know, we've talked a lot about baseball, but there is way more to this guy called Tom Montgomery. And we're going to be talking about fast pitch softball here in a minute. But first, I want to talk about the Bun Lounge and their third annual pre Sturgis party 2021 coming up July 30th and 31st. You could celebrate with live music. Now, this is all free. Uh, LM Meats is going to be there with some awesome food. They got the burnout stage table and more. Tell you what, man, don't miss out on this. It's the best party in town. Go to the Bun Lounge's third annual pre-Sturgis party. It's Friday, July 30th, and Saturday, July 31st. Friday night, you got live music with Sweet Freedom. Saturday, the band back for more. It's the Bun Lounge, home of the world-famous Shrimp Caesar, and they're open daily until 2 a.m. They're on 1708 Mill Road in Grand Forks. If you want to find out more about this third annual pre-Sturgis party, give them a call, 701-772-4366. We are back with uh, softball legend. I'm going to keep calling on that. Tom Montgomery talked about your baseball career, Tom. Now we get into fast pitch softball um, and the awards and the things you have done in fast pitch are crazy. But how did the fast pitch thing end up taking fruitation? I mean, I know you mentioned that um, you got calls, numerous calls in a matter of days. How did you take the fast pitch route? Uh, how did that work? So I think it was the early 90s, a couple of buddies from Minot, uh, they got together, and they're really good athletes, good softball players, and they actually brought in a couple of young pitchers from uh, Saskatoon. And we all know fast pitch softball is all about pitching, right? And so we started playing 120 games a year for a couple of years, and then uh, from there we were playing teams all across the U.S. and Canada, and we were really competing good. And then from there, a couple of calls came from a couple of the larger teams that mm-hmm. uh, tend to take care of more of the yep. uh, different ends of that, uh, you know. So, I mean, was you were considered pro softball? And, yeah. and how does that work? I mean, can you make a living playing softball? Uh, no, you can't. You mm-hmm. don't make enough. Uh, some of the pitchers do fairly well. It's like you said, it's a pitcher-dominated game, but... Uh, you know, you just it's uh, it's just a great time. You get to compete against you know super athletes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you get uh, some sponsors take care of you better. I was fortunate to go sure. play for uh, Larry H. Miller. You know, he owned the Utah Jazz, mm-hmm. so uh, got stories about him and and stuff. I uh, heard you've got a lot of stories, and oh, we're gonna yeah. maybe get to some of those. Uh, I want to answer a couple of the texts here. Uh, Timmy Schwantz, great show, very competitive, is right in everything he does. Very good hockey skills still. Uh, Mike Delore, best fast pitch player I've seen come out of Grand Forks. Several medals at the World Championships, Pan Am Games, fun to watch and follow. Jake Anderson, hi, Tom. Been tough to watch the Twins this year. Thanks for everything throughout the years. Uh, People haven't forgot about your softball skills, that is for sure. Uh, We we talk about um, International Softball Congress World Team. What is that? Well, back then, um, you're still on your club teams, or we call them club teams. So at that point, I, you know, at some point I was playing for Minot, mm-hmm. Minot, North Dakota, and I think that's where I picked up. I was a leading hitter in that tournament. And so they, at the end of the tournament, they have a, uh, well, an all-star team selection. Mm-hmm. So I batted 500 in that team for that uh, tournament, and that's where I picked up that first award. And then I don't know if I was on that uh isc uh all world team i think it was three or four times throughout my career wow and so um you won a world championship yep and not too many people i know can say they won a world championship in anything 
Uh, what year was that, and, and where were the world? Where was the world tournament at? Do you recall? Uh, this one was in St. Joe, Missouri, and uh, it, believe me, I love hot weather. Mm-hmm. And there's not a day this year that's even made me kind of well, a couple that squirm. Mm-hmm. But we played in St. Joe, Missouri, and it's about a week long tournament. And it had to be 100 and some plus degrees on the field. And then as humid as you Oh, the get, humidity in Missouri yeah. in the summer is crazy. So we're playing all week, and it's basically one game a day. So uh, at that point, there's no batting practice, no practice in the mornings, nothing. It's just basically stay in your room, stay uh, cool, hydrated, mm-hmm. come out and uh, play your game. And so... Uh, we had this uh, Native American pitcher, the best fast pitch pitcher that in my mind I ever played. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, Tommy, with the accent, he yeah. says, uh, we played 3 o'clock tomorrow. He says, don't worry. He says, I talk to the gods. They'll bring the clouds in at 3 o'clock. Because oh. he was going to pitch. His name was Darren Zach. Unbelievable. So next day we're playing, and uh, 3 o'clock, sure enough, we look up. Here comes the clouds in. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> So we're standing there, and he gives me the old slap on the arm. Tommy, I told you so. And I said, yeah, well, this isn't our first day around softball. That We all know these games and these tournaments, mm-hmm. they go extra innings. So mm-hmm. that game in front of us went seven innings, extra innings. Oh, boy. So by the time that game got done, those clouds were gone. It was right back to the. <laughs> well, it was still right, though. <laughs> yeah. But Darren was a big guy. He had to be 6'5", 320-some pounds, just a pure athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh when he was done every inning, the trainers would take his shirts off. They were dousing them with towels, uh, alcohol baths. I mean, just pounding them with water, uh, trying to keep them hydrated mm-hmm. on the... A big dude, yeah. He's a big dude, yeah. And uh, his version of hydration was uh, called Budweiser. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. After the game. So, <laughs> uh, greatest, uh, what an athlete. But, uh, you know, he was... I think he made it five innings that day and took himself out and he's, you know, he turned around and just puked right behind the mound. Oh boy. And he was ready to, he didn't want to expire on the field. And yeah. We, we had to take about three, four guys, get him off. Oh the boy. Field, so he's a big boy. <laughs> you mentioned his uh, form of hydration. I think of the 25 years I played softball, 23 of them were sponsored by a beer company. Yeah. Uh, that's the way it had to be. Um, okay. 1999 silver medal at the Pan Am games, bronze in the 2000 Olympics, so not only were you in the Pan Am Games, but you were on the Olympic team also. Uh, I know Tim Hennessy had texted me right before the show and said, uh, you got to have him talk about the Pan Am Games because uh, you've got some good stories. But how fun was that, and where were the Pan Am Games that year? Well, I played in the first Pan Am game I played in 1998 in uh, Valencia, Venezuela. Wow. Yeah. And then 99 was the Pan Am Games in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yep. And then supposed to in the 2000 Olympics – supposed to go to sydney australia right Mm -hmm. nope they shipped us over to uh south africa oh oh yeah just a little change in venue there (laughs) what happened there at the last minute they uh classified us back to a club sport for fast pitch so instead of main olympic sport they classified us a club sport or whatever they classified Mm -hmm. so they detoured us over there okay yeah so you still got a medal Yep. Uh, what do you do with your medals? Not even I'm, sure where they are. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I've got them locked up somewhere. And one's kind of in a, oh, that's right. One's in a uh, kind of a jersey. It's mm-hmm. got the medal hanging on it mm-hmm. or whatever. So 
You're not, uh, I can, I don't really know you very well, but you're the kind of guy that you don't just go up to people and say, hi, I'm Tom Montgomery. I was on the Olympic team and I was a really good softball player. Do people got to kind of pry this out of you? Uh, because I know you don't talk about it much, at least from what I've heard. Yeah, that's just, you know, it's just some of my great memories. If something jogs or if we're around the guys and something's related to a story, I'll bring up a good story mm-hmm. or whatever. But sometimes people just ask a little story and, most people don't know, and most people don't really even care, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's not something I put on my, you know. So I want to hear about uh, some of these Pan Am game stories. Anything come to mind? Well, there's a couple of them. Uh, <laughs> so we're playing in uh, uh, Venezuela, and uh, we're I'm not sure who we were playing. It might have been uh, – uh, so it was round-robin games, and then you get to the uh, metal games. So uh, back then, they gave us a Kodak camera. Remember those? You'd wind up. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So that was my camera, whatever. Okay. So, uh, so I can't remember what team we were on. I hit leadoff. So um, I said, boys, watch this. So they announce your names. You got to go up. You know, on you stand on the line, mm-hmm. you know. And then they have Miss Venezuela was going to come up and sing the national anthem. You know? Oh, okay. And we all know those girls are... Uh, fairly attractive and usually yeah. yeah so i said boys bring your cameras up to the when they know it's your name and so we all go up there and we kind of got them hidden behind her back right you know so right before she sings you know i just run up put my arm around her whatever all the boys jump up and start snapping our kodak cameras so couldn't believe she was about two inches taller than me but no just, so, yeah. what uh what kind of a reaction did you get out of her I don't, she just hugged me, I think, so oh, oh. put her arm around me, so, yeah, know, like um, most Latino ladies, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, were you always a leadoff hitter? No, I've hit, uh, it, depending on the, the team I was on, I hit one, two, three, or four, mm-hmm. so hard to imagine at five, seven, but. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, now, when you were leadoff, um, I, I'm just kind of relaying this to baseball. Um, I think my son still has a record at the college he went to for being hit by pitches more than anybody. But he always said as a leadoff batter, you know, that's your job. Get on first base. Did, did you get hit a lot more when you were leadoff or not? No, no, I didn't take a lot. I wasn't around very long. Uh, I, my philosophy, philosophy was if they're bringing it in there, I'm going to get after you. Mm-hmm. So um, actually later in my career, I tried to start taking more pitchers. And one coach came up to me and says, this isn't you. He said, you've been doing this for years. They throw it in. You make it one nothing. Mm-hmm. So that was my. I was there to ambush them. They brought it in. I'm bringing it right back at you. So. Wow, I love that answer. Uh, you mentioned Venezuela. Uh, where else around the world in the United States have you played? Because you have been pretty much everywhere with this game of softball. Well, for, I got to tell you my best story okay. before I get this one. So, uh, so these stadiums at the Pan Am Games were on the back end of like Bridgestone Firestone where they make all the tires. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the stadium's kind of on the back end of their... Uh, whatever you call it, uh, their uh, manufacturing where they make. So uh, everything was, uh, you kind of had a grandstand from virtually past first base and third base, but then, you know, the outfield was just a chain link fence with barbed wire. Everything had barbed wire. Barbed wire. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, the first game we're playing Cuba in a round-robin game. So that game I was actually playing left field. So uh, we had an armed guard on the bench, with the machine gun on both ends of the ends of the bench, with their finger on the triggers, just watching around. What's and this going was on. Venezuela. Yeah. Yep. 
So it was nice. Uh, welcome to the ballpark, you know. <laughs> no kidding. I said, hey, do you said to the guy, hey, do you mind if I grab my helmet there? It's underneath your, uh, you know, your, your machine gun <laughs> yeah. there, pal. So uh, crazy. But uh, playing left field against Cuba and. All of a sudden, I kind of looked to my left uh, where the entry was, and here comes a truck, and it must have 12 guys in the back with machine guns. And all of a sudden, they pull up, and they're starting to go right through the crowd now. So I'm playing left field. I'm looking at the center field. They're giving the old whistle. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? You know, All of a sudden, you'd hear strike, you know, at the strike. Yeah. You're like, no idea what's going on in the plate. And they were going through the whole crowd and stuff, so... Just, you know, some That's of the stuff. just what they did or what? I don't know what they were looking for or whatever, and then they just kind of disappeared. I don't know if they were. Wow. Because the fans there weren't really for the U.S. No, I'm sure not. No, they were chanting uh, Cuba over uh, USA. That's what they call it. USA. USA. Yeah. So a little interesting uh, nuggets, you know, when you're trying to play. and wow. you got guys right behind you with machine guns and stuff. Man. So um, when you, for example, Cuba. Um, was there any animosity between you guys, Team USA, and the Cubans? I mean, was there a lot of chatter? And um, who knows if they could even understand it or if you could understand them. But I bet you that would have been kind of a a pretty cool game. Because uh, I would imagine, I know if I was on Team USA, I'd have animosity against them. Yeah, it was uh, pretty intense games. And uh, the one thing about the Cubans is they yell at each other like I've never heard in my whole life. So if a guy makes an error... They're screaming at each other, and and we really? all got the same ending to some of the language, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it's fun to play against. Uh, they stare at you constantly. They never take their eyes off. So you know, if you're standing on second base, you know you kind of pan around, look at mm-hmm. the shortstop, second base. You're watching the outfielder, see what position. They just stare at you, and they're always yelling at each other, and it always ends in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yelling at you and the wow. other guys. So, uh, okay. Big question. Did you beat Cuba? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I like oh, that yeah. answer. Yeah, we beat Cuba. And uh, the first time we played him in 98, uh, we called him Hector the Defector, who's a left handed pitcher. And uh, he was talking to some of our guys. And in 99, he, uh, he didn't come to the Pan Am games because uh, Cuban officials thought he uh, Oh, thought yeah. he was going to leave. Yeah, so we ne- nicknamed him Hector the Defector. So. so I wonder where he is now. Uh, he's probably, I don't know. Yeah, probably not around anymore. Yeah, who knows. But uh, so he was trying to get, you know, to play mm-hmm. in our division sure. in, in the U.S., uh, you know, get some money to play and stuff. So Now, you mentioned uh, your travels with softball. Name some of the places you've played. Well, again, uh, Venezuela, that one, uh, well, that was my first uh, USA experience. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, you put that USA jersey on, there's nothing oh, like yeah. that. Uh, you know, I just put it on and because uh, they shipped them to our house, and I put it on and just kind of looked in the mirror, and I thought, oh, my God, that's good. You know. I'm going to sleep in this bad boy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. It's like nothing you experience. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, when you go through your uh, tryout camps and uh, – you know, you get 80, 90 guys at a tryout camp, and it comes down to 11 players that they take, and you're one of them. You're like, you know, I better be ready to go because mm-hmm. these guys are counting on me too. You know, everybody wants to be here, and now you're just, you know, some guy in New York might be paying attention to you that you have sure. no idea, you know. So uh, pretty cool experience. I would imagine uh, the jersey would mean dang near as much as a medal. 
uh, to kind of stand, you know, when they, uh, you're standing on the line and they're playing your anthem and you look down at your buddies, that's, that's pretty cool. And you maybe look up and see, uh, you know, your family members like 99 at the Pan Am games. That's a pretty good experience. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when the career starts to wind down, um, UND Hall of Fame, uh, I would imagine that was pretty special. Yeah, I got to get back to the one more oh, okay. story. This okay. one, this is one nobody's ever heard, and this is the best. This is okay. one I, somebody asked me. So <laughs> we're actually now. You got to imagine at these grandstands, uh, uh, you know, kind of third world country. We were waiting for our game to play, and there's a block of ice. Now you got the grandstand behind it where we're kind of warming mm-hmm. up. There's a block of ice that's as big as uh, you know five feet by five feet block oh, wow. of ice. So you watch a guy come up. He's got like a machete, hunks off a, you know, hacks off a uh-huh. chunk of ice, right? Throws it in. Now he's got six bottles of beer. He's going up in the crowd. <laughs> and this chunk of ice is laying on plain dirt back there, you know? And it's just third world. There's speakers on the dugouts that are just huge. And the music in between innings is rocking. The people are dancing. It's, it's crazy. So we get to play Venezuela. And I'm playing right field. So remember, there's chain link fence, right? Mm-hmm. And my center field partner thought it was funny to warm up to flip a couple balls over my head. So I got to run back to the fence, you know. And, uh, you know, they'd always say, Usa, Usa, you, you know, yep. just screaming at me and yelling. And I was just loving it because people screaming at you is fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You we're know, having a good time. So uh, this is going on and on. So zero zero game in the fifth inning. And I hit a two run homer. And so now we go back out in the outfield, right, and go back there, and my center fielder, we're playing catch, and all of a sudden I hear Montgomery, plain as day. And it was one of the guys at the chain link fence, so I go back there, and this guy's standing there, and he looks at me and he says, Montgomery, he says, tonight, he says, in my country, when you hit a home run against us, he says, tonight, my wife is yours. What? Yeah. (laughs) So... Little five foot little, uh, you know, uh-huh. Latino with brown eyes and a little orange tank top. And I'm like, he goes, Nope, tonight she is yours. She didn't speak English or not know what's going on. So, anyways, I go back to the field, you know, and the inning's over. And I go back on the bench and I'm sitting back there, new mat or two managers, you know, and these boys have been around ball their whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and they got their arms crossed, you know. And I said, Boys, I know you've heard a lot of stories, but you never heard this one. So I told them, you know, and they're humped over. They got tears coming down their face. And so, yeah, I mean, hard to imagine, uh, you know, so. The different cultures of the world, huh? Yeah. So. Uh, I'm taking it you didn't take that offer up. So I called my wife, you know, and I said, <laughs> oh hey, my. you wouldn't believe. Uh, I said, what happened? You know, and she goes, what? And I said, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. I said, you know, and I said, you know, the guys asked me, well, what happened? And I said, well. You know, I love my wife more than anything, uh-huh. but I also love my country. So. Sure. <laughs> so oh, and that, we'll leave it at that? Yeah. <laughs> I just tell her that for fun. But That's a great, uh, these are great stories. And, and, you know, it's like talking to Hennessy. Uh, he said, you've got a million stories. And he was the same way when he was here in the studio. And, and this is just awesome. Um, Hall of Fame with UND. Um, pretty cool. Yeah, to be recognized, uh, you know, and it just goes back to the mentality of the players that I came through with. All of a sudden, it's like, uh, and I played with guys all over the country and the world, and they said, man, you guys from the Midwest, he said, you guys just like to compete and get after it, don't you? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that's kind of the mentality I like to bring to the table and just, you know, 
everybody get on board. Let's just go as hard as we can, see what happens. And I just love being challenged, you know, by the other guys and mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, I had good teammates and stuff, and uh, it, we just had a lot of fun. You know, we had to clean the hockey rink to get money to, sure, you know, yeah. pay for the bus rides. And nothing was given to us, so just a lot of fun and and love whipping up on those Texas kids and those oh, yeah. Florida kids that thought they owned baseball. You know, yeah, because like, they could play year round, so they're that much on, better. So mm-hmm. We just practice with snowballs and stuff. So. Well, sure, you got to yeah. do what you got to do. Uh, North Dakota softball Hall of Fame, you're in that too. Yeah. Um, what about? Uh, how come you're not in like the National Fast Pitch Hall of Famer? Are you? Uh, I'm not sure how that uh, uh, National Softball uh, Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. I went to many national tournaments. I got you know, multiple All American awards. Uh, won a national championship before there too. Uh, not sure how that. Um, I played three years on the U.S. national team. I could have played more. Mm-hmm. It was at the point where we started having kids and sure. You know, my wife's put up with for a long time, and I just said, hey, we're getting to the end of this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I made her, you know, she put up with a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So when did you realize uh, Tom Montgomery was done? And was it hard for you to step away? Yeah, extremely hard. It's been my whole life. And, uh, you know, every time, you know, April 1 comes around and, uh, boy, that uh, that blood just starts flowing and you get just. It's just like your blood level goes up a notch. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Virgil Hill about this and his trainers. And uh, when they got ready for a fight, you know, their level would go up. And mm-hmm. then when they was done, you know, it would come down. And I said, that's what it was like for me. And that's I talked to Virgil about it, too. He was, yeah, he's just said, just, you know, you just get a good feeling and you just love doing it. But, uh, yeah, I was getting to be wear and tear. We've got boys, you know, I think we, 2004. So we had four boys by then. And, uh, you know, they mean... Our family, the boys mean the world to me. And well, sure. My wife, like I said, went way above and beyond what, because mm-hmm. uh, I was gone a lot. And, I bet. Uh, uh, so it was time just to be a family guy, and uh, and I kind of did everything I needed to do. Yeah. And um, kind of satisfied yourself. Yeah, there was really nothing more to prove. Uh, you know, I look back, I had a chance to play St. Paul Saints and um or fast pitch softball i had to weigh the pros and cons to that and and uh but the softball was really good for me and uh so yeah i just 2004 played i think my last game in fargo and because uh, they had a world tournament there and uh and uh you know just kind of walked away and that was it into the sunset <laughs> back to work yeah back to work <laughs> reality um, were how are you injury wise uh in your career did you did you suffer any bad ones any setbacks or or just the the regular tweaks and and things like that uh i had some shoulder surgeries i think i've had four over the years i had to have a rotator right at the end of uh when i was done but i managed to play through it uh good doctors with some good injections on mm-hmm. my shoulders but otherwise uh lower body stayed pretty good and uh and, uh, oh, I did, uh, yeah, well, one injury, I broke my thumb in the Pan Am games in 99. Oh, throwing yeah. or catching hand? No, nope. uh, dirty Canadians. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I was having a great tournament. I was leading the tournament and hitting, and uh, so I think it was uh, we were playing Canada in the last round robin game. I was stealing second at the last second. The guy, I was diving in, and he put his foot down. Not He wasn't trying to injure mm-hmm. it, and then just shot my thumb right out the back. Oh, so. boy. But that was, uh, so they casted me there, and we still had uh, the, the gold medal game or whatever. And um, so 
was feeling pretty down, but we, like I said, we only had 11 players, so they casted me. I still had my uniform on. I could still run if they needed me, and, you know, I already told them, hey, I'll hit one-handed. I playing pretty good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the, the guy's like, yeah, we know, just sit, sit down, and so I was feeling kind of sorry dog, you know, and walking mm-hmm. around, kicking dirt, and uh, in the TV camera booth, which was right next to the dugout, here's a guy in a wheelchair, right, and this guy looks at me, and he says, God, I feel sorry for you right now. You are the best player in this tournament. And I looked at him, and I said, you feel sorry for me? You'll never get out of that wheelchair. Boy, I tell you what, I never turned around just like that. I was no sorry dog no more. I'm like, yeah. man, I'm still walking. Kind of changes your perspective a little bit, I mean, doesn't it? Why would a guy like that say something, you know? Uh-huh. So just proves little things in life come, you know, a long way, and you learn things along the way of that, you know. This was my dream to win the gold medal right here mm-hmm. in my backyard i had buses from grand forks coming up to watch you know and uh I was leading the i think the tournament hitting and i was on base and uh we were gonna win this sucker and uh you know but hmm. it's not the end of the world so. what a story i mean yeah. y- you can you've done more than most people could ever imagine doing as far as sports go um i got one more question for you tom before i cut you loose and, and this is something i ask a lot of people how do you want to re- be remembered as a ball player? This is what I told kids when I compete or when I coach kids, you know, all my boys or whatever. The one thing that I, I always want to teach them is, hey, sports is you against me, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, let's go. Let's see what's going to be better today, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I think I had that compete attitude where, you know, if a guy's six foot, fourth 200 320 pounds he's pitching against me throwing from 40 feet 85 miles an hour Mm -hmm. guess what let's do it yeah let's see who's better today and Mm -hmm. just that compete attitude and uh and the ability to grab my teammates and say let's all jump on board and see how best we can be today who cares if we lose but hey we're we're from north dakota we're going to give these guys a little run Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so now that uh, people are, have affiliated you with the right spot, because some people might not know, uh, I know we see you in there because we're in there enough, but um, if, do, do people come up to you and say, geez, I still remember back in 1990, or do, do you know, not get that as much? Not too much, but occasionally the guy's like, man, you're one of my favorite players I ever watched around here. And you just kind of look at him and I'm like, it's kind of weird because you're mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm just an average guy, you know, I'm a dad and, you know going to work every day and you know trying to run a business and stuff like that so but you know uh occasionally things that look back and you know see stuff and it's like yeah it was pretty good experience you know i can't you know i wouldn't change it for the world so thank you for coming in today man uh we have been talking about this for like a year (laughs) i'm glad i finally got to make it work um, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know all of this stuff until I started digging into you uh, this morning. Uh, started checking out. I was creeping you on social media and things like that. But, uh, man, what a, a remarkable career. And, and what a great career. And, uh, again, thank you for coming in. You bet. It's been my pleasure. All right. Tom Montgomery, how about that? He is a softball legend. Catch him at the right spot. All right. Special thanks going out to Probita's Promotions. You want to boost your brand? You want your business to stand out from the crowd? Tell you what, look no further than Probita's Promotions. They're going to consult with you at no cost. Find the perfect swag for your business. Logo to apparel, hats, promotional products, trade show displays, and awards. You know, Probita's is the region's top provider for free online stores. And now Probita's offers free shipping. Yeah, any item, any size order, you get free ground shipping to one location. 
They've got stores in Grand Forks, Fargo, Bismarck, and Minot. You can get the perfect apparel, team spirit wear, and more, and all with free shipping, too. Probita's promotions, call 1-866-PRO-SWAG or shop probitaspromo.com. Boost your brand and stand out from the crowd with Probita's promotions. Well, we heard about those dirty Canadians coming up tomorrow on a dirty Thursday. We got a couple of Canadians coming in. How about that? We're going to talk with, uh, let's see, drivers about this Friday's World of Outlaw Late Model Show. Ricky Weiss and Shane Edgington will be in the studio. That's going to be awesome. Catch the boring boys on a dirty Thursday tomorrow. Hey, make sure you like, share, tag, and follow us, and hit that notification bell on your smartphone too, all right? We all know Grand Forks is an awesome place. Well, Grand Forks' best source is giving it an identity again.